Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. It's wonderful to be back with you uh, after all this time. Um, I have the privilege of speaking at quite a few churches and I go around and, and tell everybody quite honestly that Macquarie Life Church is the greatest church in all of Macquarie Hills. Uh, I, um, <laughs> it, uh, it's really, really a very beautiful group of people. Um, Pastor Roz and Pastor Mark, I want to honour you guys. Thank you for what you invested in us 10 years ago. Uh, can I tell you, you guys are in safe hands. Uh, you have a beautiful grace-driven leadership and it is a healthy church and a healthy environment within which to exercise your faith. Um, uh, I also want to uh, encourage you to go to the Making Marriage Better course. Uh, Carly, who has subsequently left since the first service, I don't know, maybe it was something I said. Um, <laughs> we've been married for 15 years, uh, and I can tell you, honestly, it's been, it's been the best 15 years of her life. And uh, we, we find our, our marriage works because we're both madly in love with, with me. Uh, so... <laughs> It, it, it's, it's a powerful time. Um, it's nice to catch up with some people here that I've known for many, many years. Some of you may recognise me uh, from when I was part of Macquarie Life Church, and I do still feel like I am. Uh, some of you may recognise me from when I used to play for the Wallabies. Um, I'd go down to Black Butt Reserve with my clarinet and play for them. They... It uh, seemed to calm them. It's quite tasteful. Uh, I'd also like to encourage you, come back to the 6pm tonight. I'm going to finish off a series that I started at Macquarie nine years ago. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll have it in your notes. Um, uh, we're going to talk about idolatry. Uh, I'll be very, um, I've got some stuff on my heart that I want to share out of that that stems out of a little bit of what we'll talk about this morning. Uh, I want to talk about, if we can get the first slide up, exciting times, I want to talk about being disillusioned and what that means for us as Christians and how in many cases and in many ways... Being disillusioned is a very healthy place to be when you're following God. Um, reading an article by a journalist, American journalist Robert Lysart, called The Problem with Our Superheroes. He wrote this article about Hollywood and how today's superheroes like uh, uh, Superman, Spider-Man, Thor, uh, are taking on more and more human traits, human characteristics. And he laments that the creators are making our superheroes more touchy-feely, more uh, emotionally vulnerable. Uh, he said these words, more lowest common denominator. And he concludes his talk, his, his, his article, with these words here. Now, and, and recognise some of the wording here, we're creating superheroes in our own image. We make them more human and less super. We impose boundaries and limitations on them so we feel more comfortable with the powers they have because it's easier to relate to Superman if you know that he looks at the world just like you. Uh, sometimes... <laughs> sometimes we do this with God we edit him we airbrush God we mentally modify him to our personal tastes to make God the almighty God more user friendly 
Uh, he becomes more manageable. Uh, we become more comfortable. Uh, God becomes more predictable. Uh, sometimes I have tended to think of God as just a big human, just like me, but a bit bigger. He thinks like me. He acts like me. He likes the things that I like, and he hates the things that I hate. And we shove God in a box that's shaped like us. Uh, the problem is that God is onto us. <laughs> Psalm 50:21, and this is God speaking. You thought I was altogether like you. And we think we've got God figured out when we start to encase him in our vocabulary, in our, in our mindset and explain him in terms that we understand. We're not actually talking about God anymore. We're talking about an illusion that we have created to make God more manageable. And I want to rattle some cages this morning in terms of breaking the illusions that can sometimes keep us limited to the reality of just how big God is. He is sovereign, he is almighty, he is not just a big version of Craig. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Anyway, um, let's read from Isaiah 55. I invite you to come on a journey with me to being absolutely disturbed about what God is saying here. Uh, this is God talking about himself. This is not a commentary. This is the words of God to his people. Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Open bracket, not even a scrap, mate. My ways are far beyond anything the mincemeat in your head could imagine. For just as high as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. He is galaxies beyond us. He thinks at a whole nother level. But we've got this dilemma in Christianity. We serve a God, we love a God, we follow a God that is both totally approachable and absolutely beyond comprehension. It leaves us in a position, and I heard this phrase the other day, God can only be known by revelation, not by intellect. And that's pretty scary territory. I can't fathom him with this. I have to, there's something deeper. To have a relationship with a loving, almighty, benevolent God is not just, can I get it in my head? Yeah, look, the, the fact is, how can the limited comprehend the limitless? Yes, yeah, sure, sure. We see God's character revealed in the Word. We see patterns of God weaved through the tapestry of our day-to-day -day lives. We know, we know he's up to something. We know he's doing stuff. But can I suggest it's really important to keep a sense of awe about God, a sense of mystery, mind-blown mystery. Dare I even say it is healthy to be going, oh my God, about God. <laughs> I, um, I, I don't want a God that I can convert into a pocket-sized convenience. I don't want a God that I can fully understand. I don't want a God that, heaven help me, I don't want a God that I think I can manipulate because he is only just a little bit above me. Maybe one day I'll get ahead of him. Um, get this, God feels absolutely no pressure at all to live up to our expectations of him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, learning, I'm learning this. Um, 
this will, God is incredibly secure. <laughs> Great. <laughs> he says it in his word. He says, I am who I am. God will be who he will be, not who we want him to be, not who we even expect him to be, and certainly not who we predict he will be. We don't get to choose the ways in which God is predictable. And that's a shock. God's always weaving something together. He's always up to something. Sometimes you can see it, sometimes you can't. Sometimes he's doing stuff right now that won't be understood for centuries. And there's people here today who've gone through heaps. If we went through and did a little testimony with everyone, there is some aspect of your life where God has done something that you weren't expecting, that was out of the blue, that you couldn't comprehend. A health matter, a relationship breakdown, uh, money, work, business. Some of you know my story. My son was born with a congenital heart defect. They told us there was a 70% chance he's not going to make it. We had prayer. We had surgery. God sometimes actually works with a doctor. And then after that, 18 months later, my wife found out she was struggling with breast cancer. All the while, we were lamenting and grieving over the death of a church plant that never really got off the ground. My faith was not healthy. And all I could really do was ask, why? Why? I don't, I don't get this, God. We thought we were walking out the steps of your will in our lives and then all this stuff that we could not have predicted just came in like a hurricane and threw the Davidsons around the room a bit. But he has still been good. Um, I've been reading a book by a pastor over in WA called David Storer and it's just, it's blowing my head in. Um, and this quote is from it. There we go. God allows by his wisdom what he could prevent by his power. And there's stuff where you're thinking, hey God, you could just click your fingers and this would be done. But he hasn't. Because something is going on and we haven't got a clue. But it is his wisdom, in his sovereign wisdom and as an act of grace, sometimes he lets things get through that we would say, no, I don't want that. Sometimes it's an illusion for us to think we can fully understand God and some Christians even critique God. Oh, I can see what he's up to. I can see his workings in the margins here. I know exactly what he's doing. I know what he's going to do next. Well, Isaiah 55 is going to argue with you. Maybe you don't. And it's a, it's a bit of a healthy reminder to me as a Christian, particularly as a minister, having the privilege of speaking into people's worlds, that I'm not doing the world a service by removing everything that is confusing and mysterious about God. I can't and I shouldn't minimise the divine. Uh, sometimes as a teacher, and I'll, this is a mere culpa, I've done this and I regret it to this day, I've wanted to give people certainty and security and the, the safety of predictability about the, the, the character of God, who he does, why, who he is, why he does what he does, that I have created an illusion for people about who God is why he does what he does, and how you can predict what he's going to do next. And it is to my shame. God is sovereign. Now, I'm not talking about some sort of divine fatalism where, oh, whatever will be, will be. Let's just throw the dice and see where God ends up. 
But there are ways that God moves in that are genuinely mysterious and we don't know why. And I can't explain it and I shouldn't even try. I've seen uh, religious movements create these um, systems based on on, on illusions, based on uh, how they want to give people a a certain sense of certainty about who God is and they've created these uh, religious holy gymnastics that they get people to do, portraying that if you undertake these particular moves or you operate in these particular ways, you will have access to God. The problem is the systems don't work. God works, but how we relate to him, the the, the infrastructure that sometimes as Christians we, we place over him are fallible. And some people invest themselves into the systems of Christianity rather than the king of it all. And look, we've done, I've done this. You cherry-pick Bible verses to reinforce your illusion of God and then wrestle with the God that those illusions create. But when you brush past elements of Scripture and get to the good bits, what you're doing is you are, you are editing God. You are airbrushing Him and making Him something that potentially He's not. But the main point, and the thing that I really want to, to impress upon you this morning, is that it's actually healthy for a Christian to be disillusioned about God. It is a good place to be to have your illusions removed. To disillusion something is to break free from it, to break free from the illusion, to be released from the illusion of how we think God should automatically work or how God should operate by default because it's not always like that. Uh, Here's a controversial call. Your spiritual progress is directly related to your level of disillusionment. Allowing God to rattle your cage can actually push you forward in faith. Yes. Amen, brother. (laughs) To shedding your assumptions about God. Because when when you break through, you're breaking from Here's a quote from C.S. Lewis that I couldn't whack in the PowerPoint. My idea of God is not a divine idea. It has to be shattered time and time again. And God shatters it himself. I could almost say that the shattering process is one of the marks of God's presence. If there's anyone in the world that I want rattling my cage, it's him. He is the safest and uh, he will rattle it, let me guarantee you. Now, I've been to some pretty scary places on the internet, don't you worry, not where you're thinking, not where your minds are going. I've been to Johnny Newsom's Facebook page. (laughs) So so much racism. Um, (laughs) I love you, mate. But I've gone to, I've done a bit of work, because now you all know that I'm, the people that know me, you know I'm a bit sick in the head. Uh, So I've been looking into ex- Former Christians, particularly former ministers, who have abandoned the faith and become active evangelistic atheists. And they've got some Twitter tags up, uh, ex-Christian, ex-evangelical and good without God, where a lot of Christians have come on board, former Christians have come on board and shared their thoughts, their laments about leaving faith. And these are some of the quotes, and I want you to read into it some of the disillusionment that may be there and some of the pictures of God that they've built. God wasn't what I expected. The disappointment spun me round and spat me out. 
He let me down, so I let him go. Sounds like a lot of my ex-girlfriends. Um, <laughs> how about this one? People in church, talking about, it's talking about you, people in church, people in church, particularly you, Donna, <laughs> people in church, <laughs> people in church failed me. I was led to believe they were representative of God, so goodbye. And this one, I was certain there was no way someone could know God so completely like me and not believe. Now look at me. In many cases, and again, I'm making an assumption here, these people have believed an illusion about God. They've believed a system or an infrastructure that we've built up around him and not the heart of the Father. Don't be too hard on them though because we do this too. Sometimes in Christianity we emphasise through our language, through the vocabulary that we've built, particularly in charismatic circles, we've built this language about what we need to do for God to access more of him rather than focus on what he has already achieved. And, and, and we reinforce this with what we talk about. We reinforce this with the books that we market and peddle. We reinforce this with my latest podcast series. We reinforce this with the channel on YouTube where you can get your input every day. You don't need to go to church because you can watch it on YouTube now. <laughs> and it goes against the grace, the, the, the grain of God's grace that he has put in place for us. I'm, I'm going to go after a few terms here. Uh, and, and I invite you to come with me as I get a little bit, <laughs> a little bit angry. Um, the chase, you've heard this phrase about the chase, more than just a game show on Prime at 5pm. Uh, there's these talks, these, these, this language about you've got to chase after God. You've got to press into him. You've got to seek him out. Seek him while he may be found even is a, is a scripture that sometimes gets taken out of context. This, this hunt that God is somewhere out there and we have to get to him. No, you don't. How can you chase down a God who's already promised never to leave you nor forsake you? You can't chase after Jesus when he has said himself that you, like a branch, have been grafted into him, the vine. You are already connected. When God says, abide in me, abide means just don't leave. It means you are already with him. He's not out there. He's here. He's right in your face. It is opening up to his invite. It is letting him in. It's the chase, if you want to reword it that way. It's an openness rather than a chase. Even in the Old Testament, let's have a look at, well, we don't have the verse, but I'll read it to you. Exodus 25, God commands Moses to build a tabernacle. Why? So he could come down and be with his people. In 1 Kings, God commands Solomon to build a temple so he can do what? Come down and be with his people. Even in the New Testament, he says, my name's Emmanuel, which means God with, present with us. He's already here. You don't need to chase him down. You're not an inconvenience to God. When you, when you pray to him, you're not bugging him. It's not a nagging burden. He is leaning into you. He is eager for your company and your words and your requests and your conversation and your presence. You don't have to hunt him down because he is already there. Another word that I want to go after is more. I hear a lot of people saying, I'm going to ask God for more. I'm going to hunt down more. I want more of you, God. I want more of this, more, 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 more. 
Well, Jesus said, it's finished. David Storer, who I referred to before, talks about Jesus as a seated saviour. When you've finished your hard day's labour, you sit down. It is done. I need more. Well, well, you don't, because Scripture says you've received fullness in Christ. I need to go to another level in God. Well, well, you don't, because Jesus says you are already seated with him in heavenly places. So, look, are you, are you making a play for the throne now? But sometimes our language implies separation and struggle. We need a different language. We need different wording, different vocabulary in church circles. I went to Kurong yesterday because I love books and I'm a nerd. I'm the, I'm, I'm the geek of geeks and the nerd of nerds. But I was walking through the shelves and there were things there like um, uh, unlock the secrets of gaining more in God. Uh, uh, follow these seven steps to increase your peace. Well, we've already got access to that. And that's the thing. God is not reluctant. He doesn't need to be chased down for company or begged for more. That is an illusion. The illusion of God doing more is actually just us seeing clearer. We see Jesus more as a provider, as a healer, as a restorer, as a friend, as an ever-present help have a look at 2 Peter 1 3 his divine power has past tense granted us everything we need for life and godliness it's been granted you're not earning it you are tapping into it you are accessing it because if we think that we are earning his presence or earning the more we can step into self-righteousness and and frankly he doesn't endorse that he doesn't back it he hasn't invested in the shares of self-righteousness. Because the payback is pretty rubbish. Um, really, the reality is, as you grow in Christ, you are seeing more. More is being revealed. Because he is constant, we are variable. And the Apostle Paul talks about this in Ephesians 1. There we go. Have a read of this. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light... That's an optical, a seeing phrase. So that you can understand the confident hope he's given to those he called, his holy people who are rich in his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. We sung before the old Keith Green classic, I want to take your word and shine it all around. Shine implies that it's something you see more of. Paul isn't praying, in this, in this passage, Paul isn't praying that you would get more, he's praying you would see more. Your heart would be flooded with light to illuminate that which God has already done. What, how do we do that? How do we see more? How do we open up our heart to get that light in there? Well, here we go, the old classic, it's a renewing of the mind. Romans 12, 2, the transformation takes place through a renewed mind. Ephesians 2, 4, 23, you are to be made new in the attitude of your mind. And there are practical ways you can renew your mind. There's two of them that I want to talk about this afternoon, this, this morning. First one, hearing the word. Why have I said hearing and not reading? You've got to meditate on the word of God. It's not just going through this thing, cover to cover, that's done. I can get on with my faith now. 
It's, it's, it's investing yourself, and, and listen, this is my own personal gripe. I see a lot of young people today, they've got a Bible app on their phone and it gives a little notification, bing, you've got a verse of the day. And they read that verse completely out of context from where they found it. They go, <laughs> I'm off now, I've done my faith, I'm sorted. Get a real Bible. Look at this, this is brand new technology and it's super cheap, it's only 30 bucks. You'll note on it, you don't even need to plug in a charger and it keeps working. And, and look at this. I don't, know, I don't know how they've mastered it, but look how thin the screen is, see? Yeah, you beauty. Get a real Bible. Get, yourself, get your hands dirty with one of these things and stew on it. Meditate on it. Spend time in this thing. Don't just get your notification and then get on with your day. This, I hear, oh, Craig, behave. No, I'm not. I hear a lot of... Oh. I hear a lot of Christians say, oh, God doesn't talk to me, I never hear God. And this thing is sitting on their bookshelf gathering dust. You want to hear from God? Read this. You want to recognise his voice? You want to recognise when his spirit is talking to you? Get this, India. Because I tell you what, it's going to sound a bit like this. Get a modern version, he doesn't use thou anymore. Uh, Don't live on second-hand revelation. Go and get it for yourself. Don't depend on others to illuminate what your spirit needs. Um, Can I be honest? If half an hour on a Sunday with some maniac from Melbourne yelling at you is all you get about the word, it's not enough. Your faith will be anemic. You need to go to yourself, go to the word for yourself to get revelation. Even, here we go, even more so than trying to hunt down the prophetic. There was a very glorious shot of Sharon Faith in an orange shirt up here before. And I remember, and some of you may have been here when this happened, we went to a youth life camp 10, well, 15 years ago when I was part of Hypercrowd, which was the youth group here at Macquarie at that stage, Christian Life Centre. And we got um, these wonderful bright orange shirts printed with Hypercrowd across the front. And we went to this youth life camp and Russell Evans was the guest speaker and he was there and he's got a reputation for prophetic words. We, we just innocently thought we'd wear these orange shirts. We sat in one big block so there was this big chunk of orange over here and we got a we got a word from Russell Evans that blew our socks off he said oh orange I see you guys there bang he started speaking into us for the next three youth alive camps every youth group in New South Wales came in brightly coloured shirts (laughs) so there was a fluorescent green mob over here there was a there was a dark blue mob over here there was there was just pure white and pink and everything because they thought Hey, hey, hey. You know, if there's a prophet in town, you'll come to church wearing, wearing something bright. You put a fluoro light on your head. Maybe he'll see me and give me a word from God. <laughs> Go and get one for yourself. <laughs> I can't believe you're clapping me in a bad mood. That's, <laughs> that's unbelievable. Okay. Let's see if this works. Have a read of this. This is quite disturbing as well. John 16. This is Jesus. This is Christ himself speaking to us. There is so much more I want to tell you, but it would be too much for you now. Oh, strike. I want to talk to you, but if I told you the whole story now, it would blow your head open. So let's do it bit by bit. The Spirit of God gives you revelation on a need-to-know basis. If God had told me, you'll move to Melbourne, your church plan will suffer, your kid will nearly die, your wife will nearly die, you'll, be, you'll receive a generalised anxiety disorder and everything will go to heck in a handbasket, I wouldn't have gone. No thanks. 
I'll pass. Jay, uh, Jay Bolton can do that. Um, <laughs> he drip feeds his truth to you. It's a bit like manna in the Old Testament. You can't eat enough now that'll keep you going for the rest of your days. You have to keep returning because the full picture is revealed in steps. Here's a quote from an American author, Kurt Eichenwald. You can have a Bible but not have the Word of God. It's the Word of God when you read it and listen to it. When you, when you listen to the heart of God, the Spirit of God that wrote this thing. This is more than just the words. Uh, your, your, your faith can't be set and forget. You can't read the Bible once and think, well, that's that done. Because if what, if what Christ himself says in John 16 is true, then there's more and more things that he will progressively open up to us, which means coming back to the well. The next thing I want to talk about is trust, or the theme for Macquarie this year, surrender. You could interchange those terms very easily. How do you trust a God? How do you surrender to a God that lets bad things happen? <laughs> How do you trust a God who is doing things today that we may not understand for generations? I've learned, you know, our story with health in Melbourne and all that. I've learned. The best thing to respond to God with is, I don't understand, but I trust. I don't get this, but, but I surrender it to you. And I'm just going to, keep, I'm going to keep on keeping on, knowing that you work all things together for good. Uh, we're not meant to get this, but we are meant to trust. Now, here's the thing. When some people say they trust God, what they mean is that they went to God in prayer, they told him what he was supposed to do, and now they're just holding on with trust that he will come through on the orders he's been given. Um, God doesn't necessarily work that way. Trusting means surrendering and not trying to control the outcome. So, hey, God, I, I want a Mercedes. <laughs> there's my order thanks mate and when he doesn't do it oh god didn't give me a merc he let me down i'm disappointed i'm going to leave the church mm. trusting god is surrender that he controls the outcome and you will be victorious whatever the outcome even if that victory comes on the other side of eternity Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Now I'm sure you've got doilies where this has been crocheted into it and it's on your fridge. I'm sure you've got a lovely, uh, a lovely um, bookmark in your Bible that's had a little potpourri sachet on it and it's got, Be still and know that I am God. And you're reading this, oh, it's so, oh. The context of that verse in the Psalms is nation raging chaos. God's people were under attack. They were almost on the verge of annihilation. The scripture references that at the time there was mountain crumbling water warfare happening and then God pipes up be still and know that I am God in the Hebrew if you actually look at that phrase basically in modern Australian jargon God's saying chill out relax I've got this and I don't know what's going on in your world chill out relax God's got this 
And it may not resolve the way that you have expected it to. And it may not even resolve. But he's got this. And it is more than just the immediate. You pay God a high compliment by trusting him because trust and surrender is the ultimate act of worship. In Daniel 3, 17, Shadrach, Meshach and some bloke from Bendigo uh, facing a... Steve. Shadrach, Meshach and Steve are about to be thrown into a fiery furnace because they're not bowing down to another God. And they say these words, the Lord will save us, but even if he doesn't, we won't turn to another. Job says this, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Jesus himself, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will but yours. Nevertheless. What's your nevertheless? People who trust God and surrender to him know that whatever comes, God is good. He can work all things together for good. Here's your classic verse right here. We know in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Trusting God brings freedom from worry. The Bible talks about how a man cannot discover anything about his future. Jesus himself says, I'll tell you things later when you need to know. So frankly, why worry? Why worry now? Why get hung up about it? Now, look, that doesn't answer questions about what business decision should I make, where should I live, who should I marry. It it doesn't, doesn't necessarily answer those questions, but it removes ongoing, unnecessary stress to know that a kind and loving father is progressing you along a journey, step by step, towards an outcome that ultimately will be good. God is in control. The word also says that he, he, he can make crooked, no one can make crooked what God has straightened, no one can straighten what God has made crooked. So the path is in place. Stay close to him and listen to this and let the light of this fill your heart. A, a trust and a surrender towards God also brings freedom from pride. If we choose to believe that it's God's right to call the shots, then we're freed from a sense of self. Because it's not me who made things happen. People have just been gifted. They've got gifts in drawing elephants. They've got gifts like a beautiful voice that can minister to a room of hundreds. God has put that in place and it's not my place to have envy, pride, competitiveness. Like, look at me. I am this beautiful because it's a gift from God. I am this... It's God's sovereignty. I didn't choose to be attractive. Look, in some ways, it's a curse. (laughs) Knowing that I was coming up to preach here, at the start of the week down in Melbourne, I went to a male day spa and I I got a mud pack treatment for my face. And genuinely, it it really, it made my face look better. And then about three days later, the mud dried out, started falling off, and now I'm back to this. (laughs) Um, Don't, hey, 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 don't judge me. I am beautiful in my own unique way. Um, Trust, surrender, brings intimacy. It brings a closeness with Jesus, who is the ultimate, who is the one who shatters our illusions. I want to close with John Bevere. He says this, 
You don't need to know the way to go when you follow Jesus. He is the way. Carly and I have got some decisions at the moment about what's happening, what are we going to do, what's next for us. We have a comfort, like there's a lot of unknowns, but we have a comfort. You can't really, you can't really choose wrong in God if you're following him because he is the way. There is not this, this, uh, you've got one shot. (laughs) I tell you what, if I've only got one shot, I blew it when I was about three months old. God's way is a highway. There is, there is grace for the journey. And he can guide you. He can take you on a crooked path and still get you where you need to go. <laughs> if you're following Jesus, you're only lost if he is lost. And guess what? He ain't. He's, he's going all right. I highly recommend him. He's, he seems to know what he's up to. Um, he's, look, Jesus... Is, is greater than a big Craig. Jesus is greater than Superman. He's more than a superhero. He is a sovereign, loving God. And we have privilege to access the totally approachable part of him whilst also contending with the inaccessible, incomprehensible part of him. And one day that will be revealed. And day by day, as you live in this, bits of the jigsaw puzzle become clearer and clearer. Can I I pray for you guys? Jesus, help us to let go of our definitions, our expectations of who you are and how you should work. Uh, You say in your word that you are busily and actively making arrangements for goodness and mercy to follow us every single day of our lives. And right now, there are people in this room that are living in that goodness, living in that grace, and there are others of us who need that mercy, who need to access that daily grace that you promise. Give us open hearts, God, and flood them with the light of your word. God, you may give and you may take away but we trust you. You have a wisdom that is beyond our own. Father, I pray for every person in this room and every family they represent that somehow this week they would see more of you, that light would be shed on illusions that need to be broken down, that you would make it very obvious you are right in front of each one of us, eager, leaning in, keen to be involved. And help us to be open to that. In Jesus' name. Look, just while we've got our heads bowed and our eyes closed, uh, Jen very beautifully said in communion, a a quote from Lisa Bevere, the cross was our hope before we realised we were hopeless. Maybe you're here this morning and this whole Christianity thing hasn't even kicked off. And you've got thoughts, illusions, dare I call them, about God, about who he is, and about how he wants to interact with you. Can I say this? His affection, his love for you is true whether you believe it or not. This much we know. Your doubt doesn't destroy God's love. Look, neither does your faith create it. It is ever-present and it is right in front of you. Maybe this morning, it's a great day to become a Christian. It's a great time to come to the cross that we talk about. We bang on about this thing because it is central to what we believe and who we are.
And there is grace, there is forgiveness, there is relationship for you with God. And this morning, if you want to become a Christian, what does that mean? Am I joining a cult? Am I joining this church? Am I a member? It just means that you have surrendered or you've put your heart in an act of trust and submitted it to the love and the leadership of Jesus Christ. And we want to help you in that journey. You're in a good church. You're sitting amongst good people. And we want to help you in your steps with God. So maybe today I can pray for you. Maybe this morning I can help you get started in this walk with Jesus. Just so that I know who I'm praying for, I'm going to count to three in a minute. And if you want to become a Christian, I'll ask you to put your hand up. I'll spot it. We'll acknowledge it. I'll pray for you. After the service, we'll come and see you. We might get you a Bible. We'll we'll figure out how we at Macquarie Life Church can help you in these first few steps. So look, let's go for it. I won't drag this out. On the count of three, hand up, we'll spot it. One, two, maybe today's the day. Three. If that's you, we want to help you get connected with this God who shatters illusions and who is more beautiful than we can describe. Father, I thank you for every person here and I thank you for Macquarie Life Church for this beautiful beacon on a hill. I pray that you would flood this house with more love, more grace, that they would see that you have always been there, that they would know that it is all achieved, it is all accomplished and it's just a matter of stepping into it. We love you, God. We honour you, bless you and bless everybody at Macquarie. We love these guys. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macquarielifechurch.com.au. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macquarielifechurch.com.au.